Episode 92, Unlock the Paper Trap. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hi, Elite Educators. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson. Whether you are teaching a lesson or you're learning one yourself, this podcast is for you. I'm here to empower you. I want you to reach your potential, and that is exactly why I call you an elite educator, because that word really reflects someone that takes time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone your craft. I like to start off each episode thanking you all for tuning in each week, especially those of you who are subscribing, so you are getting it to your device every Monday morning to help you really start your week off with the most incredible empowerment feeling you have ever had. I also want to thank those of you who stop by iTunes and leave a rating with a review. This, of course, lets iTunes know. Keep pushing out the show. This is uh, helping more and more teachers each day. So today's shout-out goes to Brandon Gale. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. His review is entitled, Teachers Learn Too. And he says, the perfect resource for educators, great tips and information that help teachers realize they are not alone. And I love this review because it's true. This stuff that I am sharing with you has been a tip provided to me that I am now sharing to you that helped me in some tough times. But why I really think it's so important is for you to not feel like it's only happening to you at your school in your small town, that it happens all over the place, that even though schools are set up differently, some in private, some in public, uh, some get a lot of funding, some get none, some have a lot higher parental involvement, some have little, that there are some commonalities, and a lot of it has to do with our self-concept as a teacher because of a lot of the pressures and a lot of the structures, or lack thereof, in education today. And so when I can share some of these truths with you and people write in and say, that is totally me, it helps me know that what I have been through others are going through. And I hate that that happens, but it lets me know that this is something that needs to be shared so that maybe in the future we can keep spreading the message and we can avoid some of these pitfalls and some of these troubles. And that's exactly what this particular episode is all about. So I want to help you reignite your passion, your potential, by talking about unlocking the paper trap. And this particular podcast episode is for those teachers that are in distress. I haven't released an episode for you in a while, and this seems perfect to speak into your situation. So hang on, and this is going to be one empowering ride. So when I close my eyes and I remember the pain that I felt as a teacher, I always come back to this main thing, the paper trap. And let me just start by saying I'm type A, so for me to have a paper trap was like, whoa. But honestly, in education, it seems like crap, and I hate to call it that, but it just piles up like a nor'easter, <laughs> I swear. My teacher desk turned into the great abyss, and every afternoon I had to sort through it all, which you know took at least 
30 minutes just sorting, which meant that I couldn't get home as fast as I needed to. And my time was now taken away from lesson planning and getting my classroom ready for the next day, all because of this paper trap that I had to go through. And it's not just the physical paper, it's the emails and the notifications and everything else that just hits a teacher during the day. It's actually ridiculous if I don't say so myself. But I've complained about that long enough. So here's the deal. The main communication tool in education, unfortunately, is paper. We have to document everything. And a paper trail is honestly necessary for legal reasons, but it's really helpful for us teachers when, even though we might not want to admit it, I can't tell you how many times I was so glad I had wrote something down or printed out an email or just kept a log of some sort to go back and reference, especially during parent-teacher conferences or an IEP meeting, or maybe just something comes up and it's a really yucky situation, maybe with a parent and a teacher, and, and, and it's just evidence. I mean, the facts are the facts. So there are times where I appreciate the paper trail, but when it, the trail becomes a paper trap, that's where the issue is. So let me walk you through some of the ways you can start to unlock your paper trap and make it work for you so that you aren't spending hours after school like I did, and that way you can just start finding your sanity. So you ready? There's five scenarios I'm going to help you think through. Report cards, random notes, emails, students' papers to grade, and filing papers. I want to start first with report cards. I mean, you know these bad boys are coming whether you like it or not. And the best thing you can do is just keep on top of all of your grades and enter them into whatever system you use as you go. There's nothing worse than having to stay an entire evening at work entering grades for the entire quarter for like 30 plus kids. So make yourself a schedule and then force yourself to stick to it even when you don't want to. What I did, I grabbed a Dr. Pepper and a Twix. Yes, I do. I bribe myself just so I can complete some of these tasks that I don't like. But I would just sit and enter grades from my teacher old school book into our online system. And I would do this on Thursday afternoons because I knew on Friday I wanted to bust out that door and go hang out with my friends. So I used to hate and dread that Thursday knowing that I had to stay late to do that, but... When it was time to turn in grades, all I had to do was go put in comments for my students, which took like no time. I was done. And everyone else was slaving away for hours and hours that week. They were miserable. And I thought, oh my God, finally, my paper trap life doesn't suck. You know, I'd finally figured out a way to get myself out of that horrible mess of just the report cards. For students' papers to grade, that, of course, you had to be on top of that in order to even input grades for report cards. So you have to have things graded first, and that in itself is a feat. And don't laugh, but when I first started teaching, I graded everything, everything. I didn't know any better. I also didn't know even what I wanted. So I just figured, well, better safe than sorry. So I just looked at everything my kids did, which meant I spent hours after school on my balcony looking at all the classwork the kids did. That's right, classwork. I'm like, what am I looking at this for? First of all, that's not even helpful because if I'm looking at their work after the day is gone, then I've missed this whole opportunity to help them to avoid any bad habits or confusion from forming because I should have been helping them in the moment. But now I've got a stack of worthless papers and I was still going through them looking at them. That's called dead data, when you can no longer really use it to inform your instruction. That lesson is gone. I can look at it to inform maybe a small group I'm going to pull later, but I've really missed how important that data could have been had I used it in the moment. And now I'm wasting my precious time, so definitely dead data. 
But just like I did for report cards, I made a schedule. So for 20 minutes after school, I graded that day's papers. And my goal was obviously to get through it all. But if I didn't, I would take it home. And then that night on the couch in front of reality TV, I graded it. But if I didn't grade day by day, then my weekend was worse because I had this whole week's worth to go through. And then that ate up my work-life balance. Some nights, I have to admit, it was torture. I had a huge stack, but other days I had nothing. And so I started to say, okay, I've got three stacks of papers that need to get graded. I'll grade one at school, I'll do one tonight on the couch, and then one tomorrow when I'm standing at the door greeting my students because they kind of trickle in. And that's not really the best system, especially because I really wanted to be present when my kids were there, you know, physically, mentally present. But sometimes it was survival. It had to get done. And so eventually I got into the swing of things and I kept ahead of it. So I never had to spend an entire day grading anything, especially on my precious weekends. But I will say that we had some lengthy assessments that our team created. And that really made me at least look at what we're doing because it was taking like an entire week to grade just a handful of these these tests and no need to grade 20 of the same math problems. So if a student could show proficiency in a few, then we would just give a smaller, shorter, more focused assessment. Um, So we started thinking smarter and cutting down the assessments. Kids loved it. Obviously they started taking their time. They really show their thinking. And then we were able to escape this paper trap. But honestly, it ended up working out better because we were able to really see what they were capable of instead of just all these answers of these lengthy math problems or whatever it may be. Filing papers was another big paper trap for me. So when you have these graded papers, now what? So I sent them home in weekly folders to the parents. I wanted them to be able to see them. I wanted them aware what was happening. I didn't want any surprises come progress and report card time. But I had the luxury of going to a place called Classroom Central. So it's a nonprofit that takes donations from local businesses and then gives them to Title I schools who have students in desperate need of supplies. So you could kind of walk in this warehouse and pick up the items that you needed. And I found some really cool desk organizers from some business. uh, And it was three tiers, and it was to organize papers. And so I put labels on them to grade, to file, and to respond. And we talked all about grading, uh, so I won't go into that. But And we are going to talk about responding in a moment. So let's just focus right now about talking about the filing part. These were papers that kids had returned after their parents saw them that needed to be held for safekeeping. Remember we talked about having a paper trail. Um, I also had like student artifacts that I wanted to keep and show next year's class as an example. I wanted to file those away. I also had extra copies of stuff. I, I just hate to throw anything away. I, you know, I might be able to use it. I-, I could be an inner hoarder. I don't know. Don't judge me. But I also, again, made a schedule. And uh, so Tuesdays were the day to file. I wanted to grade and file a little each day, but that didn't up working out for me because I wanted to go home and walk my dog before dark and... If I did both those things, I would be sleeping at school. So again, I dedicated an afternoon, more Dr. Pepper, more Twix, and I started filing. And the pile was a mess, and I wish I had made a better system so that I could just file student work and then file extra copies and then file artifacts, but they were all mixed in with each other because I only had that one slot that said to file. So if I had another tiered organizer, I would have just you know, tiered them based on those sections. It it would have helped me during the sorting process because I was sorting and sorting and sorting. And it was just so much mental transitioning. I was wasting time, but 
again, once I found my groove, I was able to file quickly. And then I actually taught my teacher assistant how to file the way I wanted so that when kids were busy, like during an assessment uh, and we weren't allowed to be working with them, I'd circulate, answer questions, and she would be over there filing. And that didn't happen often, so I didn't really count on having that extra help, but when it worked out, oh my god, I was so happy. So then we have the random notes, and you know what I'm talking about. Knock, knock on the door. Here's this. Here's that. You glance at it, and then what do you do? Chuck it on your desk. You know, flyers for Girl Scouts that had to be passed out, or students coming in late with their late passes, or love notes and drawings from your students, whatever. It just went right in the middle of my desk. I had to continue teaching, so my desk calendar was immediately below a heap of a mess. And every time I walked by my desk, I decided I'm going to pick up one thing and I'm going to deal with it, put it wherever it needs to go, whatever system I have. So if it was a late pass, I'd file it in a student file. If it was a love note, I'd throw it in my student love crate. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need to pick me up. So that was my place to go. If it was a flyer, I would put it on the front table because I knew I had to pass it out before dismissal. And that really worked out great because I walk by my desk a million times a day. So it didn't take long to just pick up one item and deal with it. And plus, I'm a multitasker. So I found that it worked best. You know, the moment I release students to work independently, um, I could deal with it. And the reason I say that is a time to just steal 30 seconds is because I had this really bad habit of wanting to work with students as soon as I release them to work time. I mean, they didn't even pick up their pencil and I was like ready to work. And they were like, uh, I haven't even started. So this kind of forced me to allow them two to three minutes to really get started, grapple with the material, reread directions, think whatever. Um, I would take that quick lap around my desk, deal with whatever I need to deal with, and then bam, I could move into working with students. And so that just a few seconds here and there really ended up working for me. And I really eventually enjoyed slowly cleaning that paper trap because every time I saw that desk calendar that was on the bottom, I, oh my gosh, I started to smile because I knew I was keeping on top of it. Well, the last one I want to talk about today is emails. And that's a deathly paper trap because it's online. It, digital paper trap is the worst. We get a million gazillion emails a day. And I just used to read them as they would come because it was open on my computer. My colleagues and I swapped a ton of smartboard files. And I would have them preloaded, ready to go on the smartboard. But I always had my email open in case that crashed and I needed to open it quickly. Um, I just wanted that access to it, but that ended up failing. It was way too distracting. It would ding constantly and the kids would be like, you've got mail. <laughs> it became a running joke that I got old quick. So I made folders in my email. And the first thing I did during a break or after school, I didn't read a single email. I would just put them in the folders so that my inbox was at zero. There was nothing in my inbox. And then I'd start based on the most important folder. So emails from admin, I would read those first. That was my first folder because these tended to be urgent. And if it was something to remember for later, then I would just move that that one email into one of the other folders and I could reference it later. But after admin, then I would go read any parent email. So that was my next folder and I would respond. And these may not be urgent, but honestly, parent communication is huge. So I made that a priority. And then the rest of the emails often just got deleted because they were marketing emails or my own shared files. I was sending myself to make sure I had what I needed to teach that day so I could delete. Um, but you'll find your own way to sort your email, but I highly suggest prioritizing your email 
emails before even reading them. Otherwise, you're going to go down this huge rabbit hole and you're going to have no time. I mean, my colleagues constantly missed important information because they couldn't keep up when their emails, they were reading them in sequential order and the way that they hit their inbox. Um, and they wouldn't ever get down to some of the most important or urgent ones. And I've heard teachers color code their email systems. I don't even know how to do that. Some have some other ridiculously organized sorting systems, but that just happened to work for me. And I'm confident in whatever kind of paper trap that you have going on that you heard something today that you can adapt to your situation. You know, a lot of the reasons you're in distress is you can't keep your head above water. And the biggest reason is all that dang paper that comes to you. It's like swimming up a roaring river. You need a boat, you need a paddle, and you need some other people just for help. So take time this week. I want you to brainstorm your own systems, try them out, adjust, and keep refining until you really find your happiness again. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on Unlocking the Paper Trap. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.